She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... The Lost Dutchman Mine. This episode was written and produced by Richard J. Wells. It was edited by Bill Voigtlander with assistance by Louis Friedman. The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode originally aired 45 years ago on Saturday, December 24th, 1977. Merry Christmas. Oh, I think this was the year I got the $6 million man. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think so. 77. I think it was. Oh, maybe it was 76. I forget. Sounds like a good Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. My brother got the Bigfoot. And so we had to play together. (laughs) Yeah. Arizona Superstition Mountains have been a magnet for generations of adventurers and treasure hunters. Many who come to the mountain seeking riches never return. In 1860, a miner called the Dutchman staggered out of the mountains more dead than alive. Although he lived like for 30 more years. Anyway, something had kept him going when others would have given up. He had been tortured by Indians and seen his partner murdered. For days, he had traveled alone under the blazing sun. He had traveled at night when it's not hot. What was the secret that gave him the strength to survive? It was treasure. <laughs> Great nuggets of gold. The Dutchman said he had found a mine full of it. He would never be strong enough to go back for more, however. And the secret mine's location went with him to the grave. Oh. Opening credits. Then we come back from the opening credits. The rugged and barren superstition mountains are sacred to Apache Indians. They say the thunder god lives there in a gold-filled cave. To trespass in the hallowed cave is to activate a terrible curse. The Apache believe that only they can travel safely through the superstitions. In search of the lost Dutchman mine. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like there may be gold in them, their hills. Ooh, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe not. Yeah, because this series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Just a reminder. Yeah, just a reminder that they're presenting one side of things that they find interesting, or sometimes several sides, but not always all the sides. All the side. You can't do all the sides. That would just take forever. They only have 20 minutes, Tori. It's true. It's true. They do only have 20 minutes. Yeah. So the episode opens and we learn that Weaver's Needle in the Superstition Mountains is a beacon for adventurers searching for treasure. The remnant of a volcano, some believe it to be the center of a magic circle that contains untold wealth of a lost civilization. Whoa. It's like a Stonehenge thing, maybe. Yeah. And also, it looks really cool. Like the mountain itself, like the part they call Weaver's Needle is kind of like flat. 
and like it does kind of look like a needle head. I don't know. I just think it's a really cool looking mountain. I'd never really seen it before, so I was pretty captivated. The mountains themselves are also really interesting because they're very pokey, like fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I mean, we're from like California, and so like we're used to like the Sierra, or at least I'm used to the Sierra Nevadas. I literally lived in them for half my life, and now I live very close to them. <laughs> and it's just a different. It's more like what you picture as a mountain, whereas these are like you said, they're really jagged, and the mm-hmm. terrain seems really hard to get through, which will become a thing in this episode. Yeah. So we learn that Spanish conquistadors searched the mountains for the legendary kingdom of Cibola, which contains seven cities made of pure gold. Spanish were all about gold, man. They were, they were so about gold. Like, they my were gold, goodness. They were gold crazy. <laughs> Although they, I they, mean, they were fine with silver, too, but they were gold crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's wild. The episode tells us the Spanish even resorted to torture to pry information from the natives. Like, that was not their normal practice anyway. I'm yeah, sure. like, that was some special thing. Like, oh, they were so gold crazy. They did torture, which they wouldn't. Yeah, they did that shit all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Apaches say the superstitions contain a sacred cave protected by a curse. And also, like, where, like, Apache Thor lives, apparently. It's guarded by rattlesnakes charged by lightning bolts. Which I'm not sure if that means like the rattlesnakes are like lightning powered or if also there are like lightning bolts that protect the cave. I'm not sure. So the way that sentence is written is <laughs> kind of strange. But yeah, lightning powered rattlesnakes would be insane. It'd be so um, amazing, though. That'd be badass. Either way, it sounds like if you're not Apache, you shouldn't be fucking with these caves or this mountain yeah. at all. Like, we'll and I call him Apache Thor. I don't know what the thunder god name is in the Apache's religion, but. You know, no, it, it would be cool if like Apache Thor like grabbed the rattlesnakes and use them like whips and shot out lightning. Like it came out of their mouth. That'd be sweet. It'd be pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. Some believe the Dutchman took his gold from the sacred cave and his partner's murder was an act of Apache vengeance. Yeah. Ooh. And some people believe he murdered his own partner out of greed. Yeah. Or he just died because like we said, it's not. Yeah, it's not really easy terrain to be. Yeah, and apparently they weren't smart enough like travel when the sun wasn't like at full height. (laughs) Yeah. So who knows? Probably never get that real story. Which, of course, we learn gold has always led men to acts of violence and desperation. Alchemists tried to create gold, but we now know that gold is one of nature's basic elements. So you can't just create it in a lab. At least not yet. Or break it down because it's, you know, a basic element. Mm -hmm. They also say apparently it's really reluctant to combine with other elements, which I don't know if that's true. I mean, you know, most gold we get is not 24 carats, so obviously it's combined with some stuff. But maybe it's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I never did really well in like chemistry. So sadly, you can't always take everything that In Search of says, like, just (laughs) as a fact. No, you cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Look, this is an entertainment show. (laughs) It's not entirely education. Yeah. Edutainment, perhaps. Yes. Then we see Leonard Nimoy possibly on location. Doesn't look like he's in the studio. No. He might just be like in some like wooded areas near like Los Angeles or something. But we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
But he's wearing blue jeans and a simple Western style shirt. A little cowboy chic there. Mm-hmm. Some chest hair showing. <laughs> he says that since the Dutchman appeared with his sack of gold, no major strike of gold has occurred in the superstitions. And yet gold hunters keep coming, seemingly obsessed by either the lost mine or the legendary vein of pure gold flowing like a river directly from the Earth's core that they call the Mother Lode. Whoa. That sounds pretty impressive. Almost yeah. like seven cities made of gold. Like it's probably too good to be true. Hmm. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Because no one found it. So could be true. Yeah, I can't prove a negative. Retired science professor Pat Bull has the fever that men call gold bug. And he found $15,000 worth of gold-bearing rock. So, Yeah, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. Guessing that's in like 1977, $15,000 too. So that's a sizable amount of money. In 1878, a gold rush hit Bodie, California. An area that had formerly been barely a subsistence mine suddenly began producing $200,000 worth of gold a month. Whoa. And that might be like 1878 money, too. I don't know. They don't specify if we're talking real dollars or anything in this. So the boom was over in two years, though. Let me get a ghost town montage. And they mm-hmm. just start rattling off names of little ghost towns. So, yep. Yeah. Bustin' boom. Gold rushes are called rushes for a reason, right? Because mm-hmm. we'll rush in and then it's over. Apparently, there were like three mining families that lived in Bodie. And then when the rush hit, like it, like boom, it was like 10,000 people living there. Yeah, which so. that's a crazy increase. And like, I know they built a bunch of buildings and, you know, and then a couple years mm-hmm. later, boom, just gone. Apparently, 800 buildings, according to the episode. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. Robert Blair studied gold miners and dreamers for his book on the Lost Dutchman Mine. He concluded that gold miners wouldn't search the superstitions, but dreamers might. They go for the adventure more than the gold. It's a form of acting out a fantasy. Although I do do wonder, though, because I feel like anyone who's going to spend the time and energy and money and effort to go looking for gold... Even if they're there for the adventure of it, also is hoping to find actual gold at, in some. Well, it doesn't say they're not looking for it. Just the adventure may be more of the issue. They get to play cowboy, you know. True, it's true. So, yeah, yeah. In 1931, Adolf Ruth, a retired Washington D.C. veterinarian, the episode calls him a retired Washington bureaucrat, but not. Yeah, he's a veterinarian true. though. Yeah. He entered the superstitions, believing he had maps that would accurately lead him to the lost Dutchman's mine. He seemed oblivious to the dangers that such declarations could put him in. Six months later, his skull was found. <gasps> yeah. Oh, no. They found his body, too, like a month later. So. Yeah. It's dangerous to go, like, waving around your treasure map because people will just kill you and take it from you. Mm-hmm. They might. Although they're not sure what really happened to him. But. No, we don't really have any conclusive. Like these people died looking for gold and it could have been anything. Yeah. Outside of in search of. So they found a skull and there were two holes in it. They thought were bullet holes. And then a month later in January, they found his like skeletonized body. Although the bones were kind of strewn all over the place. 
And so there are two camps. One thinks it was just predation, that he probably just died of like exposure and lack of water, which a lot of people do because they don't plan properly. Mm-hmm. And that the holes could be part of that also, just from the predation. Yeah. Or it could be that some people think they're bullet holes and that the people were, who were guiding him shot and killed him. Or there's another group that thinks he may have killed himself because, like, he fell. He did have, like, an injury from previous uh, treasure hunting in California. And so he may have injured himself and then, like, shot himself. Although apparently his gun was buried. So they're like, oh, did he bury his gun if he shot himself in the head? So, yeah, but no one really knows what happened to him. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. The superstitions have claimed hundreds of lives. Some have died from exposure. Lack of water and too much sun. Others have died violently and mysteriously. And like you said, we don't really know which one of those Mr. Ruth falls into. No. Trained packmaster and guide Jerry Crater says there is a difference between prospectors and treasure seekers. The prospectors are looking for a vein of gold. The treasure seekers arrive with some map they've acquired. Some are wealthy. Some are desperate. If they have a common characteristic, it would be similar to that of a religious fanatic. They believe. Ooh. Yeah, I really liked this guy, actually. I thought he, he was, was entertaining. Good. Yeah. yeah. And he seems very pragmatic. Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoyed listening to him talk. Yeah, he will. He will pop up towards the end, too. So mm-hmm. yeah, he does more Jerry. Back. Yeah. Given the odds of finding the gold vein, some prospectors hedge their bets, though, and mix legend with their mineral analysis. Jay Heston is one of those. He realizes there probably isn't a lost mine. If anything, he believes it's probably someone's hidden stash. But we learn that prospectors use dynamite because gold veins, you know, they usually aren't just like laying there on the surface for you to find like, oh, look, there's a bunch of gold. It's like, you know, under the ground. So dynamite is the number one source of peril. That a prospector faces. <laughs> they tend to like blow themselves up a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, which isn't, it shouldn't be funny, but I laughed really hard when they got to that point. I don't know why. I just thought it was funny. Because <laughs> they're talking about all these threats that you face if you go like hunting for gold. And then they're like, but dynamite is the number one source of peril. And I was just like, oh, that's bleak. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we see him, he like puts, he puts some dynamite in a hole that he kind of <laughs> dug. And then he, li- and he lights it on this. I mean, I guess that's, that's how it would work, right? Because you got to get away. So it's on this like cartoonishly long fuse that he lights. And, uh-huh. all, and, and then you it see explodes. it going up the, you see it like going up the mountain and then boom. It's kind of funny. He's all like, woo, got to go with his little walking stick. And so, yeah, pretty funny. Weaver's Needle and the quest for the lost Dutchman's mine inevitably leads to the Apache. Philip Casador is a local Apache medicine man and local radio disc jockey. Yeah. He tells us that mountain spirits protect the superstitions and the sacred cave. And any violence or tragedy is the work of those spirits. How the sacred cave and the lost Dutchman's mind became intertwined is unknown to the Apache, but they say that looking for gold is no excuse for violating the cave, which fair. Yeah. And then we jump right to Glenn McGill, who is a private investigator from Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. He believes that with the right techniques, any mystery can be solved, including the whereabouts of the lost Dutchman mine. 
1963, a group of Denver attorneys hired McGill to find the mine. So some dudes from Denver had hired somebody from Oklahoma City to go to Arizona. <laughs> Fine. Lost Dutchman mine. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to guess he's one of the people willing to take the job, and there wasn't a long line for that. Yeah, he's a, apparently he was like a really prominent, like the head of like the private investigator, whatever they have, like in Oklahoma City, they have like this group, like a private investigator union or something. I don't know. But yeah, he was apparently, he was apparently highfalutin in the private investigator community. So he believes he found the mine in 1966, Whoa. but not the vein of gold. So apparently he's one of these people who thinks the mine is the vein of gold, not necessarily like just a bunch of gold in a place. Mm. So. In 1976, a filmmaker documented McGill's 49th expedition into the superstitions. Wow. And then we learn that he has sacrificed much in his 14-year search, but he now believes he knows where the gold is and the payoff will match the sacrifice. So apparently he's lost, like, relationships with, like, friends and family and all kinds of business. So, yeah. And then he yeah. says that the mine may contain a vein that's 18 miles long, which would be a hell of a lot of gold. Yeah. So, but also contains a curse that he thinks may be influencing his life because his life isn't so great. His health is bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, he's been doing this for 14 years. He's getting older. His health is probably yes. not great. So, but yeah, he's like, mm, yeah, but there's a curse and man, it's fucking me up. So. Yeah, which is kind of sad because the way he says it, I got the impression that maybe he has like a really bad diagnosis or something. I don't know. I didn't look it up. Probably should have. Something. Yeah. yeah. Treasure hunters have never been appreciated by the Apache, who claim that the superstitions are sacred. Environmentalists don't like the gold seekers either. Working together, they have achieved success before Congress. In 1984, the superstitions will be off limits to prospectors and treasure seekers. Whoa, you better get your gold seeking in before 1984 then, I guess. Ah, oh, shoot. I think we're a little got, late. You only got seven years from when this episode aired. <laughs> get in there. Yeah. It's only been like 38 years since then, so. <laughs> mm, well, if you get, you, okay, another list for your time machine, Tori, another one for your... Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Go back to the superstitions, look for gold. Yep. But then Leonard Nimoy... Three. Well, you might... Maybe 82. You might <laughs> want to give yourself a couple of years. Might, you, might not, you might not just find it right off the bat, Tori. Stop being Oh, come so on. If you've got a confident. time machine, why wouldn't you find it immediately? <laughs> <laughs> you've got time machine technology. Go back. Gold Instead fight. of wasting your time to go back and look for it, go back and talk to the Dutchman. Or, like, follow him. Go with him when he goes in search of it. Maybe you're the one who kills his partner. <laughs> and no one can find the gold because you took it and then left in your time machine. Oh, man. I got to find my time machine. <laughs> <laughs> time travel is messes with your brain, man. It messes it does. with your brain. It really does. It's dangerous, you guys. It's dangerous. Yeah. So then Leonard Nimoy is back maybe on site or at least a place that looks like it's on site. And it says that passing laws is one thing, but banishing a dream is another. And then we meet Milton Rose, who says he talked to the three men who talked to the Dutchman and drew maps based on what the Dutchman told him. So, oh. and, he, and he's pretty old, so it's possible that he did. So Rose says they drew those maps for him. And then he says he followed the maps and the mine was there and he got about $18,000 of gold. That's pretty sweet. I mean, I would take that. 
Yeah. I wouldn't complain about finding $18,000 worth of gold anywhere. Yeah. He says the mine has nothing to do with the superstition mountains or Weaver's Needle, though. People are wrong. Somewhere else, <laughs> and he's not going to tell us where, except for it's in a big canyon in the Four Points region. So hmm. he might just be trying to deceive you so that you don't find I don't know. Well, if he already took most of the gold out, I don't know why he well, would I don't care. know that $18,000 would be most of the gold if it's like either like Apache Thor's like gold-laden cave or if it's like the mother load. So. Yeah. And then Jerry Crater is back and he says in his opinion, there's more gold in his back teeth than in the whole range of the Superstition Mountains. Wow, he must have a lot of feelings. Yeah, also I thought that was really funny. This is why yeah. I like him. I think he's just very pragmatic. He's like, these people are, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll let them pay me to lead them around, but there's no gold up there. We would have found yeah, it Yeah, he's already. like, I've been, I've been packing people in for 10 <laughs> years. I ain't never packed nobody out. So <laughs> With gold, yeah, no. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure, you know, everyone, I'm sure not all his clients have died, because if so, I mean, he's like, you know, suspect number one. So... Yeah. <laughs> Robert Blair says that even if you ground up the entirety of the superstitions and ran it through a sieve and didn't find a single ounce of gold, there would be those who'd say if you had dug one foot deeper, the gold would be there. People dream. And then it's over. There's actually no closing narration in this episode. This is it. Boom. It's <gasps> you done. know what's funny? I totally didn't even notice that. It was just like it ended and the credits started playing. And I was like, okay, that's it. I didn't no, because we come back from commercial and he's all like treasure hunters. have never appreciated the Apache. He tells about the legislation, all that kind of stuff. And usually he does that. Usually he'll come back and he'll be there, be on location. He'll be in the studio and then he'll say something and then we'll get like footage and we'll get his closing narration over the footage of whatever's going mm -hmm. on. Or sometimes some weird ass story of someone else that you're like, who is this person? Which I guess we <laughs> kind of got because we got Milton Rose. But yeah. But yeah, no closing narration at all. Weird. The last words are by Robert Blair. Yeah. Yep. It's over. Yep. So we have learned. That there is or is not a lost Dutchman's mine and or a sacred gold line cave in the Superstition Mountains that may or may not exist. I mean, With we know the mountains powered exist. rattlesnake. Like, but yeah. I'm just, you got to use them as whips, I think, is what you have to do. Have yeah. To. No, that would make sense. Yeah. Or they could just shoot lightning out of their mouth. I don't know. So. And so the mountains are in the federally designated Superstition Wilderness Area, which when you look up those Superstition Mountains on Wikipedia, it says they were designated as a Superstition Wilderness Area in 1939. Okay. However, the Wilderness Act was not signed into law until September 3rd of 1964, and the superstitions huh. are listed in the official list of all U.S. areas that have been designated by the United States Congress under the Wilderness Act as having been designated on September 3rd, 1964. So they were like in that first group. Upon further research, though, it turns out that it was established as a primitive area in 1939. And that was like an official name, a primitive area. And then it was named a pre-Wilderness Act wilderness area in 1940. And then it became an official wilderness area in 1964 with the legislation. Okay. Yeah, and it's part of the Tonto National Forest, which was created in 1905. So, because Teddy Roosevelt created the National Forest System. Mm -hmm. And then H.R. 4707 is the Arizona Wilderness Act of 1984. And that was signed into law on August 28, 1984. So, that's the legislation that they were talking about with the congressional mm -hmm. stuff. 
I admit, I actually started digging into all this because when he said it was going to happen in 1984, I was like, well, let's see, Reagan was elected in 1980, so I bet that shit got like, mm, nope, not doing that. We're not protecting federal land. So, but it turned out they did, and it actually designated the superstitions and about 29 other lands as part of the National Wildlife Preservation System. So that good, actually went through good. with it. Yeah. Nice. That is encouraging. Yeah, but I kind of figured like, oh, yeah, Reagan, he's going to reverse that shit. So, yeah, nope. Reagan was the worst. Yeah, at least at that I time. I mean, not the worst president, but, you know, when you say that person is the worst, that's what I mean. I don't mean he was the worst. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's unfortunately a lot of stuff that, like, he was not great at the time, and there's been a lot of cascading shit because of all the stuff he did that mm-hmm. still affects us today. Yes. So, yeah. Yep. So, the Lost Dutchman Mine is, like, only marginally, like, like the legend is barely mentioned in the episode. Like, we get in that very beginning so the dutchman himself the mine he is named after german immigrant jacob waltz who lived from about 1810 to 1891 and dutch is the english cognate of deutsch so german yeah it's similar to pennsylvania dutch like they're not dutch people they're germanic people Mm -hmm. so americans just don't bother you know to care about foreigners and get their shit straight so (laughs) Which is ironic because, you know, Americans are usually foreigners originally. But, yeah, let's just pass over that because I don't want to get super mad. So McGill's story, like many others, is way more interesting. Like you had kind of mentioned, Tori, like you'd be interested to learn some of the stuff that was going on. So you can actually find out some of the stuff. It's way more interesting than expressed in the episode, including the fact that he was sued by the state of Arizona in 1973. Oh, wow. Yeah. I th- apparently they were they were selling shares like as part of a company to go find the mine and they weren't allowed oh to do that so, yeah well because it yeah it kind of gets into like scheme territory where you're uh-huh. not really selling like yeah. anything real yeah we've come up with um, people on in search of in the past we've talked about actually had similar things like sylvia brown that's what that's what she was actually convicted for was for a gold scheme where they were taking money saying that it was for a gold thing and then were just funneling it to their own businesses so yeah yeah i mean he apparently was actually looking for gold just it wasn't finding it so right yeah. yeah but you can find deeper dives on the story about the lost Dutchman mine and on some other people in our show notes. So rather than, you know, us giving you all information, like be curious, look for yourself. Just yeah. treat us like the tip of the information, <laughs> you know? Like we're the glacier, and then most of that stuff is down below under the water. And you all yeah. know that I'm not going in the water, so fuck you. You're going to find it yourself. So, yeah. I did look up the story just because I was curious. And, like, there are some things about how, like, Jacob Waltz apparently told his neighbor the location Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she went looking for it, but wasn't son. ever able to find yeah. it. And, and then, then there's also and... some stuff about how, like, he had filed a couple claims with the government. Because I guess when you find gold, you have to file a claim, you know, or I'm not. Yeah, exactly or people who just come but, and take it. Yeah. But he never filed a claim for this supposed lost mine. And the claim wouldn't have said, like, exactly where it was, but it would have, like, limited the area a little more. And he never filed one. So either he really didn't want to admit anywhere near where it was or it just didn't exist. Yeah. And in the episode, it sounds like, like, you know, he staggered out of the desert and then, like, died short. Like, he lived, like, for 30 years. Like, right. like I think her uh, was her name. I think her name was, I want to say her name was Julia. 
I feel like it was Judy or Julia or something. Yeah, it was something like that. But, like, they basically supported him, like, for years and took care of him. He lived, like, for 30 more years. Like, he died, like, in 1891. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they were trying to do it with that. And apparently he had some gold, like, stashed in his house that he was keeping. as like Well, he had found some at some point, right? So he definitely had some gold, whether or not he knew where a giant vein of it was. Well, like, I don't... I'm not saying that dude was running a scam, but if you are, that's what you need, right? You need you need a seed. Like, right. I you found this. If you yeah. want more of this, yeah. listen to exactly. me. Exactly. So, <laughs> because yeah. if you actually knew where way more of that was, why aren't you getting it out? Like, I'm sure there are health reasons. You can't get and, there. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And I guess you don't want to take a team because they'll kill you for the goal. Yeah, or also, you know, the, the evil <laughs> Apaches will get you. So, I mean, we do use language in here that I'm not happy with. but that's Yeah, and, so. and like the fact that his story, at least is according to the episode, is that the Apache killed his partner. Like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. dubious about that. Put me down as doubtful, but we don't yeah. know. I mean, but I mean, they could have. I mean, we don't know what went sure. down, right? I mean, no, you know? we don't know. Maybe they were on a sacred area and they were like you need to leave or we'll kill you and they refused to leave and so yeah or maybe there's something else went down too that there's maybe a you know maybe a better reason to kill someone than just like you were on my land so probably if they did which we're not saying they did no we don't know my client is innocent until proven guilty (laughs) right and then robert blair's book which is not in the show notes because i couldn't find like an internet accessible version of it i mean you can buy it but it's not like you can just like open it up and read it on the internet it's called tales of the superstitions the origins of the lost dutchman legend and it was published in 1975 so to give him credit for his book that he wrote Uh, there'll be lots of stuff in the show notes check them out listen to them there's some text there are some podcasts that talk about it if you want to just listen to stuff if you're listening to us talk about this you might be oh julia thomas right there so that was her name. Oh, okay. So, there we go. Yeah. But yeah, so there's some podcasts, there's some text. And then obviously, you know, those also have links and stuff within them that you can go to. So especially the Skeptoid one, Skeptoid, he lists all his shit. So you can always go from there. Wikipedia yeah. does the same thing usually. You know, Wikipedia is a good source to find other sources. So For sure. I don't necessarily believe what it says, but then you can find links to other stuff. So I even linked to the HR 4707 if you want to read the actual bill and look at the voting record and all that kind of stuff, too. It's all there. So, yeah. Yep. So next week there will be a quiz. There will be. (laughs) There won't be. Because Tori and I probably wouldn't pass it either, honestly. No. No. I didn't do a ton of research because I didn't know we were doing this episode until like two days ago. And I watched it and I was like, oh, no. So I I Googled some stuff. I looked. I read some of these. Yeah. yeah. Tori doesn't check the calendar every hour like I do. No, I don't. I don't check the calendar very (laughs) regularly. And then I, you had mentioned something about how you had to watch In Search of. And I was like, that's weird. Why does he have to watch In Search of? (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> that means I probably have to watch in search of shit. I should pay attention. <laughs> yeah, sometimes our production meetings are just like <laughs> random sentences that you're like, wait, what What did you say? So, yeah. And also, I don't know. It's been a long week for me. I won't even get into why, but like, it's been a really long week. So my brain is sort of just scrambled anyway. So I'm like, wait, what did we yeah, talk about? It's been, it's been a weird oh, couple days. Yeah, yeah, it really has. Yeah. So. But anyway, hope you enjoyed this. Season two, first episode, The Lost Dutchman Mine. 
probably have some more cool, interesting, or at least maybe slightly hilarious stories coming up. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot. So, they cover a lot of topics. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy N Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. X-Files Adjacent Feed is where we cover television films that are, you guessed it, X-Files Adjacent. Though we define adjacent, so we basically can do whatever we want. Yay! If you like what we're doing, tell a friend, and we'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we try to figure out if If the the truth truth is still still out there. Possibly on location, Ellen in blue jeans. Leonard Nimoy. He's like in blue oh, jeans and his little in his little western like, shirt. What the fuck is Ellen? With his chest, with his chest all, <laughs> his little chest hair all sticking out and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember the outfit. I just didn't know <laughs> what that was referring to. I was like, "Who's oh. Ellen? What's Ellen?" I'm all about initials, man. I should have put that together.